0: Everybody. welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode discussing four more movies from 1991. Mobsters. What about Bob? I forget, and I forget because I'm old, and my brain's gone. <laughs> what the fuck Michael. are they? City slickers. That's that old. City slickers. It's the fourth one. Damn my eyes. We're the worst host ever. We are. <laughs> we'll figure it out as we go. <laughs> I'm Michael there Jacobs is, on the other side.
1: What? <laughs> I said, your medulla oblongata.
0: Oh, no, I, I sold that for cookies. I was, I was hungry. Um, all right, Jacob, what are we starting okay. off
1: with? Hey, everybody. Uh, let's start off. Let's get this one out of the way. Uh, mobsters. It's the weakest. It's Hollywood honk, <laughs> Christian Slater.
0: Yes. Uh, uh, the weakest of the bunch, it's basically <laughs> sold as young guns, you know, for, you know, mobsters, young guns um was a flop at the time didn't get good critical reception i i think i understand what doesn't work and what does and i think narratively the structure is a little wonky and it doesn't move that well but i love the characters i love the basic storyline and my god the set pieces oh wonderful production value and the action was pretty damn good
1: Oh, God, yes, yeah, absolutely hyper-violent, bloody, like something you would see, like out of Untouchables or Godfather.
0: Yeah, it does seem like because Untouchables, you know, we were back in the gangster revival again, and because of Young Guns, it's, they were just trying to do their version of it. Um, so much successful. I think it's mostly carried by Christian Slater and Patrick Dempsey. The other guys are dull as Dishwater. That's, I think, another big problem.
1: But Richard Greco.
0: <laughs> I thought he kind of sucked, and I thought I, mean, I, I thought Louis too, uh, Mandalore was fucking just a nothing burger.
1: Yeah, I couldn't remember remember his name, but he did look awfully familiar.
0: Or, no, it's close as Mandalore, his brother, do his brother. Um, I remember the fourth movie, it's the hard way. Oh, he is. Yes, that's
1: what it was. Um, but, yeah. I did. I, I mean, I did. I could enjoy what I could out of it. Arroca. Who else was in the supporting cast? We got Michael Gambon. Oh
0: yeah, um, the, the the villains are better. I would say we have um, Michael Gambon and uh, and Anthony uh, Fuck Greek guy. Is, yeah. I, I
1: remember him from Last Action Hero. Yes, yes. Uh, I remember him from Last Anthony Action Quinn. Hero. Anthony Quinn.
0: Um, I love that thing where he's just like, you did a, a 180 on me. He goes, it's three, or you, know, you did a 360. Uh, and he goes, it's a 180, you moron. And you would be back in the same place you were if you was a 180, a 360. <laughs> um, <I'm> exactly. Sure, <laughs> oh, and there's F. Murray Abraham. and That's kind of the driving point is F. Murray Abraham is kind of their mentor. And this is all based on a true story. I'm sure glamorized a little bit. But it's all based on a true story, and he was a guy kind of shepherd him through all of this, and he gets killed, and they decide they want revenge, because how dare they have their own little group of whatever they want going on? And then you know it's a, it's the war between Michael Gambon and Anthony Quinn; they're playing both
1: sides. God, yeah, absolutely. And they're trying to take out the big guys, you know, so they can keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. Because even Patrick Dempsey's character clearly explained what was going to happen and he, he was definitely like the bigger brains of the group as far as strategy went
0: yeah Meyer Lansky uh, and- Meyer Lansky they've made three movies about him in different periods of his life if you're interested in his character his I think is the most interesting is um, so we have this movie when he's young then we have uh, the HBO movie with Richard Dreyfuss as a middle aged Lansky and then we have the one that just came out last year with Harvey Keitel as Lansky in his uh, final years and all three of them just different Ways of telling the story. I thought they were all three really interesting.
1: Oh, absolutely. And the funny thing is, out of all those monsters, he's the only one who didn't serve jail time. He was Catholic.
0: Yeah, well, he kind of kept his nose out of the violent part. He wanted to take it as, you know, make it more of a business. So while they, you know, to, to cover up what they were doing, because if they had these fake fronts, you know, Vegas and stuff like that, um, it would help. no, he wasn't really involved in Vegas itself. Bugsy Siegel was... And he ended up fucking himself over in a movie later this year. We're gonna discuss, I think you and I discussed it with um, Warren Beatty, where it's Bugsy in his Vegas years and how he uh, ends up bucket up getting shot.
1: Yeah. yeah, he was the only one who died. Go ahead. Well, I mean, as far as like all of them, like you know, getting killed, it was like he was, wasn't the one that served jail the time. He got whacked.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to remember if there was another he movie was about Lucky Luciano. Him. There has to be another movie about Lucky Luciano because he's also super famous
1: oh absolutely yes i know they even mentioned that at the end credits uh but again overall i really felt like yeah christian slater and yeah patrick dempsey really weren't carrying this movie as you mentioned uh, oh god and then as far as like michael gambon's number one muscle robert zadar yeah mega face <laughs> yeah Maniac cop for those who are horror movie buffs, B movie horror movie. Or
0: if you're a Tango and Cash guy, he's the one Is like, You broke that jaw, yeah, I broke that jaw, whack. <laughs> it does it again.
1: <laughs> that is like, do you, I have to, I feel like, do you think the fairly odd face the crimson chin off of him?
0: I've never seen fairly like odd I'm gonna say, Yeah. Huh?
1: Look it up, just, <laughs> just look it up, just absolutely look it up. Because I mean, this guy had like the strongest and biggest chin of Hollywood, and he was. Would you think he was, like, used as a heavy, like, uh, as far as, like, shows go?
0: Oh, no, he was always used to heavy. I don't think he was ever a good guy. Well, hold on. No. There was a movie with Rowdy Roddy Piper in 1988 called Hell Comes to Frogtown. Have you ever seen this? No. Okay. Uh, it's a post-apocalyptic movie where uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper is basically the last uh, fertile man and everybody wants to have sex with him. Um it's a comedy, action thing, whatever. But years later they had a sequel in like nineteen ninety four called Return to Frogtown, where it was a green tape. Don't you remember where the VHS tapes were colored? It was great. But uh Robert Siddharth did a good guy in that movie, and he was like a Commander Cody kind of guy with a jetpack, and it was really fucking hilarious and bad, but on purposely bad. That's the only time I know you ever played a good guy.
1: Wow! Yeah, no, that is—that's pretty funny. I think I remember him from this like VHS movie. It was called Double Blast about these kids uh, investigating a kidnapping, and he was like one of the henchmen.
0: Wow! You are digging deep there, buddy. I had—wow—I uh, I never heard anybody ever mention the name Double Blast in history. <laughs> You're the first. <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I have no idea why we had it. We just did, and I managed—you know—I managed to watch it. I got a kick out of it.
0: I'm looking here. The only movie that they really made about Lucky Luciano, which is surprising to me, besides this, was a 1975 or 1973 Italian film with nobody you would recognize. Oh. But, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's free on Voodoo. I'll look it up. But it, it covers everything after Mobsters.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, oh cool. All right. Know. So, yeah, yeah that, of- that
0: one, it's, it's all about the star power and the set design. Otherwise, I, I think it is the weakest of the four. But I was curious because I had never seen it before.
1: I it, it's, I mean, Lara Flynn Boyle was uh, Christian Slater's love interest. Yeah. what happened there? Oh, my God. The hitman, the one hitman who was almost unkillable. Oh, God. I was so happy with I him. don't know who the fuck I he is. I've
0: seen him in. Sometimes they come back. But he has this rage in him that he really captures. And when they finally take his ass out, you're right. He's like a fucking Terminator. They tried so many different ways <laughs> to get his ass. They shoot him like three different times, and they finally get him. I can't even remember how. Did he, did he fall from the building or whatever and crash into a car? Is that how he died?
1: Yeah, they did that to Michael Gambon. But I oh. them coming in. Right.
0: Uh, it was when he had he all great. of them in the office. And, and he, he was going to he was gonna mow them down. And then Slater, uh, lucky Luciano, busts in or whatever, just mows them down.
1: Yes, as he should have been. Yeah. He deserved it.
0: Yeah, this is the summer. Uh, I
1: loaded the clip on him.
0: It seemed like every single year Slater had a supporting role in a bigger movie that was successful. And then a starring role in a movie that wasn't so successful. Because the previous year... You know, Young Guns Two was the big one, and um, uh, Pump Up the Volume didn't do very well. But in this year, it's Robin Hood, which we'll discuss, I think, in the next one, uh, where it's huge and it really helps the star. And this this sadly didn't help. Um, our second film is what about Blob? It's the sequel to The Blob, where he's neurotic and worries about all the people that he murdered. He didn't mean to; it's his nature, and he goes to see a psychiatrist. Hey, sure. And Richard Dreyfuss says, "Oh dear God, you're the Blob," and runs out. <laughs> and the Blob can't stop chasing him because I said, "It's his nature." <laughs> oh, Bob! Oh, yes,
1: of course. Yes. It, instead of like attacking them physically and digesting them and dissolving them, <laughs> he attacks them mentally and makes them go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> this,
0: this movie is, is so how
1: this movie stand out.
0: Fucking hilarious! God damn! Frank Oz had a run of movies so strong for so long. He's coming off Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Uh, he's about to go into House Sitter. He had done uh, Muppet's Take Manhattan and um, uh, Dark Crystal, I think he did. And then uh, he also did uh, Little Shop of Horrors. That's a hell of a streak.
1: Oh, God, yes, absolutely. Uh, as far as Dark Crystal, I thought that
0: was still Jim Henson. They led... No, Well, they, I, I have to look it up. I'm pretty sure Henson uh, produced it and Frank Oz directed but I could be wrong. I'm, I'm known to be dumb. Mm.
1: Hmm. I'm curious now. I have to see this. Please do, uh, please, uh, please do continue.
0: Okay, so uh, if you haven't seen this one, this is the big comeback for uh, Bill Murray because uh, Ghostbusters 2 kind of underwhelmed and people were just like, oh, I guess people didn't really want to see a sequel to this. Mind you, Jacob and I didn't know this as children that we watched this a million times. Um, and also, uh, Quick Change did not do well and then all of a sudden, what about Bob comes out and it kind of changes things in movies because now the, you can open a movie before Memorial Day and it can be a hit. It, it, this is the first week of May. And all of a sudden, that's the new standard for the rest of time so far. Well, I think it, now it's like the last week of April, it seems to be. Um, but for you to get your big movie in. And, and and after this, we have Soap Dish. And then... Um, what is Memorial Day of 91? I can't remember what comes out. It's not Robin Hood, I don't think. I'll have to look it up. But... Um, Yeah, what about Bob? And also, uh, you know, Richard Dreyfuss and him are on fire together. This pairing is phenomenal. Watching how one starts off insane, one's completely normal, you know, has his shit together, and flipping it so well. (laughs) Uh, Love it.
1: Oh, yes, but not without his problems. Richard Dreyfuss was kind of, like, obsessed with uh, success and how, like, you know, he's a very big, well-known psychiatrist, and he had a book coming out, and he's coming out on Good Morning America. And Bob Murray is trying everything to get as much help as he can from this doctor, even to, like, to prank calling the, uh, the uh, hotline at his office to find out where he lives and literally driving Richard Dreyfus nuts. Yeah, playing different characters,
0: <laughs> you know, uh, setting up situations where he has to get the information, you know, the sympathy of all the people that are, he's calling. I, it's a really fun movie, and he just gets to wing it in such a way that plays to his strength where sometimes it didn't. And... You know, I think people forget that fucking Richard Dreyfuss is hilarious.
1: Oh, gosh, yes. It's like, how could I have forgotten this? Especially for, um... oh, my God, why am I blanking? He won an Academy Award for it.
0: Uh, We're talking Mr. Holland's Opus? No, no, he won. Well, did he win for Opus? But he won for Close
1: Encounters, right? No, it wasn't that. Goodbye, girl.
0: He won what the Academy it? Award for Isn't Goodbye, it? girl? I didn't know that.
1: Oh yeah, no, There was even It was in a Saturday Night Live opening. Even uh, Jokingly, John Belushi was giving him shit.
0: Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> because he won over Richard Burton and Hamlet. <laughs> hey,
0: I'm wrong, everybody. Uh, it wasn't the first week. It was May 17th is when What About Bob opened. I don't know why I thought it was so much earlier. Then when the hell did Soap Dish open? Because Backdraft is the big one. Big one next week, and then it's uh, Thelma and Louise, then Soap Dish, and then City Slickers. Wow, what a, what a time for movies. Then a week later, it's Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, The Rocketeer, Naked Gun, Two and a Half. Mmm! Delicious!
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. and uh, as far as the directing credits for Frank Oz, yeah, he co-directed it, with uh, Jim Henson. Okay. Uh, Dark Crystal.
0: I think I was too but old yeah, for Dark okay. Crystal. I didn't get that one, by the way. I didn't get it.
1: Oh, God, yeah. I, like I said, it's fantasy. I mean, not much to tell, but... I'd ha- having to rewatch it again I'll have to I'm pretty sure I'll still enjoy it yeah but um yeah what about Bob again I just love Bill, Bill Murray's performance and how he kind of like really bonds with the family especially considering like you could tell that Richard Dreyfuss's character is like kind of this absentee like he's there but he's not like for instance uh the diving scene with his son like right fall through with it and if he doesn't want to do it he just gives up too quickly and then Bob comes around, and everybody's just loving Bob. They're all just like kind of very supportive of him, and it's driving Richard Je- Richard Dreyfus jealous. <laughs> Especially like during the interview, he has the, he almost has like this little freak out himself. Uh, and it, to the point where he like tries to drop him off at an asylum, and then all the doctors are having a laugh at Bill Murray. He can't even get rid of him, but he tries.
0: Yeah, it's it's the frustration <laughs> levels. And I get where he's coming from, especially in the beginning, because Bob keeps breaking the the barrier between, you know, uh, uh, patient and doctor, you know, whatever, uh, privacy.
1: Confidentiality.
0: Yeah, it's just like, fucking stop. It just He keeps finding ways to stick around, stick around. I would probably lose it too. But then there's a point where it's like, dude, you might as well just let this go. Seriously.
1: <laughs> I love how he keeps referring, referencing the uh... – Baby Steps book that Richard Dreyfuss gave him They're almost like every situation. Yeah,
0: well, for years, we would do this. Baby Steps. Baby
1: Steps. Yep. Especially when he's just trying to get on a bus to get out there to New Hampshire. Yeah. Are you gonna get on today, Bob?
0: (laughs) We gotta get going. People are waiting.
1: Right. Oh, God, yeah. I wholeheartedly just... Could not help but enjoy this movie. Oh, God. Then the ending where Richard Dreyfuss like, he's driven insane. There's a surprise birthday party for him. Bill Murray shows back up there. And then he, like, you know, he's talking about his sister. He's too nice. And then he attacks Bill Murray. And then he ends up in uh, a comatose sort of mental state. And he's just, like, sitting there all silent up until Bill Murray ends up marrying his sister at the end of the movie. And then he jumps up and yells no, even though it's too late to. Uh, <laughs> to- Oh, gosh. Uh, to um, objecting to the wedding. Oh, that's right,
0: right, it. right, because he's completely
1: broken. <laughs> <laughs> no! And then it's like, oh, my God, that's better now. And everybody's, like, hugging him <laughs> and, like, celebrating. <laughs> that's all it took was him getting married to his sister.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's a really great oh. movie, and it's a good comeback for everybody involved. Uh, okay, so our third film is? The Hard Way. Oh, God. This James is so Woods
1: fucking... yes. and Michael J. Fox.
0: Okay, let's be upfront. We know James Woods is an asshole. Turns out he didn't have to act that hard. But this is still a fucking great performance. Originally designed for Kevin Klein and Gene Hackman, of all people.
1: Oh, oh wow.
0: Yeah. Uh, director John Badham, I think, is highly underrated. I keep thinking about how much I'm annoyed by Beverly Hills Cop 3 sucking ass and how they chose the wrong John to direct it. Look, John Landis is good with comedy. He's good with stunts, but he's not good with action. If that makes sense, like he did the great stunts in Blues Brothers, but when he did uh, Beverly Hills Cop three, he didn't know how to balance the two. The movie had no fucking style whatsoever. Now I see John Batham and I go, "This is fucking style. This is this is really good filmmaking. It's very funny. It's got great action pieces, and he can handle the actors." And I, I just to this day, I'm like, "Why did he? Oh, they should have chose him. I just don't get it."
1: Yeah, I'm not sure either. I wasn't familiar with John Baddum up until now. Yeah, well, he did, and, he
0: did. Uh, you know, he, other movies he's done yet, or are you just saying as of this moment you don't know who he is?
1: As of this moment, you have okay. to you have to you have uh, to affirm me.
0: Uh, his big breakout was Saturday Night Fever. That was a massive hit. Oh shit! And then he did uh, War Games, Blue Thunder, Oh, um, Stakeout, uh, oh. Bird on a Wire. Then this, and it's just, the box office just kept dwindling for his movies no matter how hard he tried. I think it was a mistake to make a sequel to Stakeout, especially since the one that he made looked nothing and felt nothing like the first movie. It was very strange. Same writer, same cast, same director. Don't get it. Um, He did Drop Zone with uh, Wesley Snipes. Um Nick of Time with Johnny Depp, which is a phenomenal movie. And then it just kind of I think he did a couple smaller movies and then he just did TV for the rest of his career. I think he's still alive and he's still doing T V. Yeah,
1: and yeah, no, I'll have to look him up. Damn, he did have some impressive movies. He
0: did. He was a very stylish director and uh I, I really think he's underappreciated. But uh this is uh yeah. this was supposed to be a big hit. I don't know what happened. I maybe it was the wrong time of year. They released this like uh at spring break ninety one. Uh, Michael J. Fox desperately needed something to break away. He needed another hit. He had done dramas between the Back to the Futures and they didn't really take off. And so it was time for him to get another hit. And this everything on paper, this makes it look like it should be a hit. It had a decent budget, has great characters, great action. He gets to fucking do stuff that he's never done before. And it's just a shame that it only made what it cost and it just you know it was even number that's the craziest thing 1991 Spring was one of the worst ever and this movie was number one for two weeks and it still only made $25 million
1: God damn
0: right it was a very everything I this is when I was getting Entertainment Weekly and I was reading the box office constantly and I was like this is number one at $6 million and then next week it was like four and a half it's still number one it whatever reason it just didn't take off I think a lot of it has to do with uh james woods michael j fox is a star but james woods while he does bounce off him well is not a name that gets you into theaters
1: no definitely not like it felt like they were relying too much on michael j fox and i will agree with you both of them have turned the performances up to 11 and i love the little gags especially the villain steve lang yeah yeah oh god the end of the movie when it's like they feel like they they caught the villain and then all of a sudden it's like they crash and he's like by the way I hate your movie like <laughs> yeah his boss. his stars his <laughs> villain's
0: interesting because he wants to be a star he's not just a crazy psycho he wants to be famous he wants to be known for it. and he has these moments of insecurity but also like vanity um, yes and and, and James Woods knows how to play him and if you haven't seen it the plot is and we won't spoil it for you Michael J Fox is an actor. Who's uh, desperate for a role and in, in, outside of his normal big studio stuff, he wants to do a serious drama about cops, and so he decides to go undercover. Uh, well, not undercover so much, but he's just he's following a cop who got in trouble, who's kind of taken off one of his um, uh, cases. One of his big cases, right? And it's the what is it? The, the birthday killer. The it's a celebrity killer it's something he always goes into public places events whatever and kills people
1: yeah and he kills all these drug yeah he kills these specific drug dealers
0: yeah and yeah. like
1: uh, all these criminals
0: he thinks he's a hero you know so he thinks he's a, a vigilante and um uh, but the problem is he doesn't care who he takes out with him and and sometimes there's innocent people
1: as well too much collateral. Yeah, right. he has no
0: regard, and uh, he's confused as to why people even want to stop him. But uh, so Michael J. Fox goes, you know, uh, tries to be a tough guy, and it fucks things up so bad. Now, here's the weird thing: is at the same time this was made, and this isn't new, um, when, when a movie comes out and there's a movie very similar with a plot, but it's usually like comparable in budget. Uh, at the same time, this was being made, they were making one called Into the Sun with Anthony Michael Hall. And Michael Perret, where Anthony Michael Hall is doing a movie where he's a pilot and he just goes on a, a thing with Michael Perret and, and learns how to be a pilot and they get caught up in this whole mission. Um, also a very entertaining movie, which comes out next year. Uh, and I, I think it's, it, it's, it's kind of like the, the, the Three Amigos, Galaxy Quest, Tropic Thunder thing, where you take guys who are out of their element, they're trying to be tough and cool, and there's a lot of comedic stuff to, to get from this.
1: Yes, exactly. That's kind of like what I. That definitely like the kind of setting that was being uh, for Michael J. Fox. And he's trying so desperately to show that he can, like, walk, try to walk a mile in James Woods' shoes to the point where he's saying, like, let me just get it. I want to know what it feels like being under your skin. I'm like, that's some Hannibal Electric shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, <laughs> he's he just copying
0: it. how he eats his hot dog, how he smokes his cigarette. It's just driving him insane. So I understand exactly where James Woods is coming from in this.
1: <laughs> yeah. But again, uh, J. Fox does end up like becoming. He ends up uh, getting back at him too by helping him catch the main killer, especially when he realized that James Woods uh, tricked him into going back home because he didn't want to, you know, have him be liable for murdering someone yeah. on a Kate, on like a little Kate, on a little bust.
0: But I think, the, <laughs> the, and probably is a lot of the budget was that final set piece is so amazing, so memorable. Uh, first of all we need more action sequences in movie theaters that was cool but the fact that they use his movie coming out as this huge display back when they used to i don't think they do those anymore but this huge display and they use that as the final action piece now that was fucking amazing and so well shot
1: oh god yes oh for a minute there i'm like i was like i don't know is monty fox like fucking with james woods to get back at him earlier or no He's actually, no, he's actually, he was actually shot. I'm like, oh, yeah. shit, I was kind of thrown off. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's like a, a, a well a well underappreciated movie. Yeah, it's not like I, I wanted it to that.
0: be a franchise, like it needed another sequel because they basically told the whole story. But it would have been interesting if it was successful yeah. enough to like say hypothetically like do a Beverly Hills Cop kind of thing. Instead of him going to New York, the James Woods goes to Los Angeles to help him. Like something happens to him and he needs to, or he just goes on vacation or something like that where you'd flip it. But, yeah, I think it's a sorely underappreciated film. And uh, so that's it for that one. What is our next film? Is it, This is our last film.
1: Okay. Yes, it is. The, our last one is, like, com- pure comedic gold uh, city slickers with Billy Crystal, Daniel Stern, and Bruno Kirby. Uh, oh, no, my I'm, God. Yeah. I, think it was, I think this is the first time I fully watched the first one. I've only seen bits and pieces as the kid. But I was more familiar with the second one.
0: Now, and that's so weird because I was going to bring this? that up. Do I, you, I don't remember the second one at all. I just remember it didn't do well, and they didn't really focus on the characters, which makes the first movie so good. It was more about the plot.
1: Oh, yes, exactly. When you sacrifice character for plot like that, can really screw up the movie. Uh, I mean, look at that. I Superman. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, a lot of comedic movies <laughs> tend not to work well as sequels. Because the original setup is hard to repeat again. Um, and Billy Crystal should know, should have known this when he did analyze that. Because it just didn't work the second time. Same way it didn't work with City Slickers. But I think what works best about this movie is, yes, they have the big adventure. And there's a lot of great stuff in this. It is a western. It is a comedic western. Um, but it's also about midlife crisis. And and, and, and friendship and and Mm -hmm. the the, the bond that you have since childhood that you'll go to protect each other.
1: Oh, yes, I know. And there's very each unique uh, viewpoint. Oh, God, Daniel Stern, like being around his wife, pretending to sleep. I'm like, good God, I would have left her a long
0: time. (laughs) Is she around? You can (laughs) stop pretending to be asleep now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know, seriously. Fifteen more minutes? Smiley like a little kid. Like, Jesus, man, you infantilize your husband and walk all over him. That's horrible. And then, lo and behold, who comes in to uh, break some news uh, during Billy Crystal's character's birthday party no Less? Uh, oh, she voices Lisa Simpson. Oh my God. Why am I blanking on her name?
0: So it's like a, it's I a, should know an unusual this. name. It's an unusual. I'm cheating right now. Okay. Uh, ah, yeah. la 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 uh, la. Yerdley Smith.
1: Yes, Yerdley Smith. Oh gosh. Absolutely adorable. Always seems like such a sweetheart. Did
0: you see baby (laughs) Jake Gyllenhaal?
1: Yes, little Jake Gyllenhaal. He played Billy Crystal's son, and he almost seemed embarrassed because of what his dad does for a career, especially after Dan Castellaneta was explaining what he does as a a, a construction worker.
0: No, no, that was Robert Costanzo.
1: (laughs) Robert Costanzo. Oh, yeah. Dan okay. uh, that that that's I'm looking is the. I'm looking at the, Samson, looking at the Simpsons. Ah,
0: uh, you go. Robert Damn Costanzo, me. most people probably know, is the brother in uh, Die Hard 2 <laughs> of uh, yes. Dennis Franz. I,
1: yes, he's also in Total Recall as well. And oh, you're right. He also voices. Yeah, he also voices. Um. Uh, oh, yeah, he's Harvey Bullock in the Batman animated series, and he voices Phil Attiti, uh from Disney's Hercules in okay. the TV series. Yeah, and yes. Oh God! Uh, I just, again, I love that little story time. And then there's Billy Crystal, just like losing all hope, <laughs> and then he gives <laughs> that fucking long-winded, terrifying story about death.
0: <laughs> and again, yeah, but
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like you know, enjoy your moments now, kid. You know, especially as he's going through a midlife crisis, even though he hasn't exactly hit midlife. He's 39, not Well, 40, midlife is
0: whenever—look, midlife is a very, I guess, category, but also no one knows when you die. No one knows exactly when your midlife is.
1: Precisely, yeah. I mean, it could be—well, these days, yeah, it could be a lot longer considering life expectancy is higher.
0: Or a lot shorter because <laughs> of things like COVID. So— Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, with the cast real quick, I want to go into this. Uh, I don't know if anybody's going to really get the inside joke. This was written by Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel, and they were guys who came off Happy Days, and they wrote all the early uh, Ron Howard movies, Night Shift, Gung Ho, stuff like that. Um, they wrote this, and so there's two brothers in this. David uh, David Pamer and Josh Mostel play them. They're basically Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel, but they're also a little bit like Ben and Jerry. Mm-hmm really because they're trying to find the perfect was the ice cream flavor to go with certain foods and so they're kind of playing off yeah. those characters as well
1: ah yeah it's oh, really okay, inside yeah. baseball because it's me. an
0: amalgam of two different people so
1: right okay yeah oh god again just how they're bonding and kind of getting over their midlife prices I'm like I don't know that first thing uh, that opening scene the running of the bulls in Spain yeah oh good god I thought that would have helped <laughs> that was supposed to be a vacation. <laughs> Bruno Kirby is the one having fun. He learns to enjoy it. Uh, you, you know why he's oh not in my the gosh. sequel, right? I'm sorry?
0: Bruno Kirby's not in the sequel. And do you know why? No. He was horribly allergic to the horses, which he didn't discover until he was on set. And it was too late to get out of it but uh, so he's suffering they kept having to give him like steroids and stuff like that to get through the shooting but when it came time for the sequel he was like oh good god no and you know they could have had the whole cast together if they hadn't gone west he mentions at the end of this about going north to the north pole or whatever they could have gone on some sort of like snow <laughs> adventure you know with uh, yes, you know they could have just gone hiking yes. or mountain climbing or the dog sled thing and I don't understand why they didn't do yeah, there yeah I don't understand why they went in that direction and why they had to bring Jack Palance back
1: yeah, no, that was a bit of, I mean, because Jack Palance, he was, wasn't was even in it that long in the movie, but he did learn quite a little bit. He, uh, he did have that key moment with him, talking about, like, you know, the meaning of life and this and that.
0: Yeah, and well, was, yeah he does have a very thing. pivotal five minutes, which got him the Academy Award nomination. Or, no, he won.
1: Yeah, and the funny thing is, uh, he ended up just, like, just laying there, just dying right then and there. and. Uh, I love like of his little eulogy, Tracy Walter's like, eh. He's like, Hey, yeah, I knew him, but it's like, you know, that's about it. He ate yeah. bacon
0: every day. What did
1: you expect? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Mm. But yeah, just, you know, evident- I mean, again, how they developed throughout the rest of this movie, like as they were on, you know, herding the cattle. And I love the little John Wayne reference they made at the beginning too. I'm like, oh yeah, that was definitely it.
0: Yeah, it's, it um. plays to his strengths so well. Because Billy Crystal hasn't hit his constant comedic period yet. You remember how there's a, period, where there's a chunk like, you know, where he did Father's Day and My Giant and Analyze This, where it just became just comedies for a while. He's coming off yes. of doing some drama. So he had done Running Scared, uh, Memories of Me, When Harry Met Sally. I think this is the first, I want to say this is the first post-Harry Met Sally movie. And uh, he would do Mr. Saturday Night after this, and then he just seemed like he got a little nervous and stopped doing mixtures of comedy and drama. Um, but I, he has the fast jokes, he has a lot of empathy, and it's a big adventure movie for all of them. And I think even Daniel Stern, even though he, this would kind of become a cliche for him, is the, the hyper-aggravated uh, screaming guy.
1: <laughs> oh, um, yes.
0: It also plays very well to his strengths.
1: Oh, absolutely! I know. I really liked his uh, development the best, especially like when it came to that. You know, going against the two ranch hands who were not only bothering Helen Slater, but um, fucking around with everybody else when they got drunk after Curly died. You know, yeah. Oh, it's no, wait, so no. weird, not after scene. Curly died, but after Tracy Walters' uh, little drinking binge. Oh yeah. And then the wagon fell off the cliff. Poor horses. <laughs> I See, know. I felt sorry for the horses. Yeah, I
0: felt, and, and also with this movie. It's really hard now for me to eat cow. I mean, we, we say the word beef. Wait, hold on a second. Is that the only... We say chicken, chicken, turkey, turkey, pork. No, we don't say pig. We say pork. Isn't it weird certain animals we, we don't refer to their meat as what they are? Right. That's weird. Like fish, you know, we, uh, we all would eat uh, uh, fish, salmon, whatever, because there's so many different varieties of fish. But we say instead of cows... We say beef, and instead of pigs, we say pork. It's like to condition ourselves to make it like a two separate things, so we don't feel guilt. But that cow, sorry, that calf um, is basically like a dog. It has the same emotions, and, and you know, I, Norman. I yeah, yeah. I think we had this discussion before, but uh, in our family, you know, we've had issues because a family member had a pet cow, and it was slaughtered. And I'm just saying, this bean burgers taste good. They do, and it gives you the same amount of protein, and it's, 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 they're fine. I mean, yeah, I know burgers are good, but it's also sometimes it's really hard to sit there and look at a cow and know it's going to be killed. It's, it's rough. I really brought the room down. Sorry, everybody.
1: <laughs> I mean, it can be. I mean, I understand the empathy for them, too. You know, I mean, especially at the end of the movie when they herd them all back to Colorado, they realized it's like, yeah, no, I'm sorry, let's we'll sell them off.
0: Yeah, I think... Except for Norman, th-
1: he was able to bring Norman home.
0: Yeah, I think they did a good balance of the reality of it, but also, like, showing some empathy from the cast, or the characters, or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, I thank goodness they save Norman, because he's just a baby. Um, and, and, of exactly. course, we have we have one of the most famous lines in this, and it's just one word, hello! <laughs> <laughs> Everybody I know would repeat this after this movie came out, hello! Hello! <laughs>
1: See, kids, he's saying hello. Oh, and Lindsay... Oh, yeah. The one who played uh, Billy Crystal's daughter was actually Lindsay Crystal, his kid.
0: Oh, okay. I was wondering if she was a known actress or anything like that. Um, There's something I want to bring up. The poster for this that was on the VHS, that was in movie theaters, that was replaced when it came out on DVD and Blu-ray, is amazing. I don't know who drew it, but look up the original poster art for City Slickers, and your jaw will be on the floor. And then look at the fucking garbage that they put on the Blu-ray and DVD. It is shit. And I don't understand why they take away the original art to make something so generic. I guess it's because they're smaller and like the way on Netflix where it's just like a simple icon so you can tell what it is and it can sell you easier. I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, I can, again, after knowing that, shit, dude, I do miss, oh, look at the, the vacation, the anniversary edition. I'm like, I'd rather just have that same original poster, yeah. but with yeah. just like it's, saying it's anniversary edition. Is there something wrong
0: with hand drawn posters? I don't understand. We worship Drew Struzan, but yet when we see other posters like that, they always seem to disappear.
1: Ah, who knows? So it could be like maybe a copyright infringement due to the artist. Nah, can't um, be royalties. But, or... yeah, like you remember
0: those bullshit VHS covers, the re-releases of Star Wars? who was just Yoda, um Yoda, Darth Vader, and I can't remember. I think it was Stormtrooper's face. Like you got rid of those posters for this shit. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So, I City of was a massive hit, made over $100 million, was a big hit for New Line Cinema, who desperately needed it, who, oddly enough, do not own the movie now. It's now owned by, uh, I think... Uh, Warner Brothers, I think? It's either Warner Brothers or I think it might be owned by MGM because I think Nelson went over to MGM and
1: Castle Rock. Yeah, MGM. Yeah. Yeah, no, MGM was in the credits. You're right. All right. So,
0: that is our four films, uh, T2, Robin Hood, I think American Tail, uh, Five Goes West, and I can't remember. Maybe Doc Hollywood? I have the list somewhere. But those are going to be our four uh, next films, I believe, if I ever wrote things down. Here's the thing is I'm not a professional at all. I'm an incompetent buffoon who doesn't take notes because he thinks he can remember Mm, things.
1: (laughs) I I have it saved. I have it saved. T2, Robin Hood, Backdraft, and My Girl.
0: Thank you. But I don't think we ever threw in American Tail. I have to look up the list. If we forget Five Goes West, we've got to discuss that. It's such a great movie.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's the one I grew up with. That was before... Again, something... I, did, uh, the, I saw the
0: sequel before I saw the first one. Yeah. Another we do, one. We saw the first one in theaters, and I remember thinking it was fine, but it wasn't fun. And it is a different team that does it, of course. I think those guys later went on to be big D, uh, Disney guys, but um, I, I just prefer the second movie. It's so much fun. Plus, who can't deny a high adventure, you know, when, when it was like kind of... Uh, I know I know the metaphor for the first movie isn't taken over to the second one as well. But, okay, we're going off on a tangent here. But we'll add that to the list for the next episode. So, uh, thank you, everybody. This is Michael saying goodbye. And Jacob, sign us out.
1: Namaste, good luck, my friends. Be excellent to each other.
0: And party on, dudes.